Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts with John Stephenson. John understands the importance of being prepared. Through rain, rocks, and snow, he has seen it all and survived. He has seen major disasters like Mount St. Helens and how vehicles were stopped in the street from the volcanic ash. Earthquakes, too, including the Loma Prieta earthquake, which felt like it wouldn't stop shaking. People were without electricity and could not hardly buy groceries or gasoline. The homeless lit bonfires in the streets. The Bay Bridge and other freeways were broken. God only knows what will be next. Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts by John Stephenson. We invite Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to guide us as we examine how our preparations can be used to preserve the life of ourself, our family, and others. Now and then occasionally, a city will have a garbage strike. How would you deal with your garbage if it were not collected for a month or longer? Hopefully you have a yard with some dirt in it nearby because soil is an important part of waste disposal. Today we'll have a quick look at the big picture, the small picture, and the medium picture. The big picture of waste disposal is the cycle of eating and eliminating and of decay and the regrowing of the food we eat. And thus we have the nutritional building blocks for strengthening our mind and our body, which is more capable of giving praise and worship to our God, the God of the Bible. Right now we have only enough time to cover the elements of the cycle and not enough time to examine the specifics of it. But if we needed to figure it out, we could. So very quickly, the short cycle is having a system breakdown that would last a few days and we put our waste into well-sealed plastic bags and wait until garbage pickup is resumed. Now the other, the medium picture, is that if there's a social breakdown that lasts of several months, we will want to get through it in a way which does not harm or degrade our long-term health potential. The common methods of disposal of garbage are to burn it or to bury it. And that which does not decay will be burned, uh, something like plastic, but it will have to be thoroughly burned, all while the fire danger is acceptably low to burn it. The lesson here is to use plastic sparingly. Often burying your waste is the best option, and I want to emphasize the importance of burying everything deep enough. There are two important health elements here. One is the preserving of the purity of your groundwater supply, and the other is transferring or not transferring any bad bacteria. And this is done primarily by flies. Here again, the answer is to bury your waste deep enough, not where it could migrate into your water supply, and you also don't want it dug up by a domestic animal or a wild animal. All of these considerations must include both wet and dry weather, or that wet weather being intensely rainy. The general rule is to bury it in dirt at least three feet deep for something kind of big, like the size of a dog. And then if it's something bigger, like something the size of a cow, it would be six feet deep or more. And that would include your garbage heap if it's that much. So, yep, it's a lot to dig. And you have to consider that wet waste requires more to deal with than dry waste. So you might be drying it out. But anyway, we hope your neighbors are concerned about this problem as you are, because if they're not, your neighborhood is going to smell a little bit. All these same principles apply to human waste as well. I am sort of sorry that I bring you these problems, but they are problems we could face, and if we don't look at them, we won't see the solutions either. So a little forethought goes a long way to how you can plan to avoid problems. So these things could happen if there was a garbage strike or an electrical grid failure. And by the way, a uh, congressional task force recently said that if our electrical grid does go down for one year, we could expect that 60 to 90% of our U.S. population would die within one year. So for whatever is coming, I want you to choose life and for you to have the understanding that you can live abundantly in this life and in the next, this is episode 19. Start your preparations now before there's an urgent need and what you want is hard to find. 
Remember to give thanks to God for all the blessings that you do have. Your letters with questions or donations are important. John Stephenson, P.O. Box 7222, Chico, California, 95927. Email prepareforgod at usa.com or call 628-7222. Thank you for listening to Preparedness Thoughts on KKXX. My Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. Send up your horses. Welcome to Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is the program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness, where the uncompromised Word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. For God has called us to stand for truth, and having done all to stand, we will stand. It's time to fight the good fight of faith to preserve our country, our families, fortunes, and sacred honor to protect our property, our schools, and yes, maybe even salvage some of our churches. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Now, here is your host of Red Sky Radio, Rob Walter. Well, hello, America, and welcome to the world of Red Sky Radio, where we ride hard for the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you all. We have such a packed program today. I am going to blitzkrieg. I'm going to fly my way through the first half of this program on a whole bunch of different stories. In the second half of today's program, we're going to school. I'm just going to tell you that much. We're going to go to school on some things because there's just there's some things that need to be defined, understood, explained. That is critical to understanding the debate that's going on throughout the country and throughout the world for all that for all that matters here. First of all, though, I want to let you know that if you want to reach us, you can with your questions, comments, criticisms, contributions, what have you. Um, you can reach me at info at redskyradio.net, info at redskyradio.net. As I said, we start with good news. We try to end with good news in between. Hang on. Our first story is a U.S.-based story. Unemployment has hit the lowest point in 50 years, 50 5-0. Now, the economy currently, of which, of course, everybody's trying to credit Barack Obama, uh, all the Democrats are, which is absolutely not only stupid, it's asinine. So asinine that just I mean, imagine this. Let's just, uh, approve, to prove that point, let's suppose Hillary Clinton had won. And against all odds, of course, Hillary Clinton would not have generated this this economic boom because she would have raised taxes, not increased, uh, not lowered them. She would not have reduced regulations. She would have increased them. She would have done everything to hurt the economy, not intentionally, but that's what happens when you've got kind of a, you've got that kind of person in office. Because after all, Scripture does say righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach. You see, when sin is in power, it produces bad things economically. Righteousness produces good things economically. That's why the nation is exalted. If right, I mean, that's what people see, right? That's what people look at is the economy. Well, the fact of the matter is the economy is nothing more than a reflection of what is being done well or poorly elsewhere in a country. That's why it says righteousness exalts a nation. A nation will be exalted if it pursues a right path, whether that is whether that exaltation comes in the form of military success, economic success, general prosperity, or human happiness. Sin is a reproach, and a nation becomes a reproach, like Venezuela, like Cuba, like you just go right on down, like like North Korea. You see, when you hate God. You hate people who are industrious. You pursue evil things. Your economy suffers. 
And all you got to do is look at every sinking, single socialist regime anywhere and everywhere, currently existing or previously existing, because they do go out of business when they run out of other people's money. And you will see that the only thing that they're high on is the misery index. And so, since righteousness exalts a nation, I'm not making a, a spiritual case for Trump here as, where he is spiritually. All I'm saying is the guy is doing righteous things. Yes, he is. And this nation is exalted. So do you think that if Clinton were in power, do you think Hillary or Cory Booker or anybody else on the Democrat side would be attributing the current economic success to Barack Obama? Just ask yourself that basic fundamental question. Would they be crediting Obama if the Democrats were currently in power? No, Hillary would be gathering all the praise and accolades uh, to herself and th throwing out a few uh, high fives to some other people and her fabulous team, blah, blah, blah. Of course, all of this is an impossibility because the economy wouldn't be, sh wouldn't be soaring under Hillary. It would be tanking. If for some reason a Democrat should win next November, watch what happens to the stock market the next day. Or as soon as it's obvious that a Democrat would win, stock market will tank. Now, I'm not suggesting that Donald Trump actually use this line, except indirectly. Because I just said the economy is not what dictates a country, although that is what sadly most people look at. But they're wrong. Most people are incorrect when they say look at the economy as what dictates other things. It's other things that dictate the economy, as I said. However, if we go back 20 years, I think Trump, if I could have a, a cup, if he could listen to this for a couple of minutes, this is the advice that I would give. Don't say this because it's the truth. Just use it to point out something that the Democrats have pointed out 20 years ago when Bill Clinton was running for election. And what did he say? It's the economy, stupid. It's the economy, stupid. We heard it over and over and over against slick, uh, from Slick Willie. All Trump has to say is, well, you know, as Slick Willie, I wouldn't call him that, you know, as President Clinton or the Clintons famously said over and over, some years back, it's the economy, stupid. Well, if, it's, if the economy... Is that important? And, of course, Trump really does think that it is. If the economy is that important, and our economy absolutely buries the economy under Bill Clinton, why have the Democrats changed the rules? Why? Because, just because they can't have it their way? If the economy, if it is about the economy, stupid, then I should win all 50 states. Now, he would say that. I wouldn't say that, but he would. So some people say to me, uh, is there anything over which you disagree with Donald Trump about? The answer is yes. I don't come out here to, to necessarily lift him up other than to say this is a person where he is in his relationship with God. I don't know and I don't want to speculate. All I can say, speaking objectively, is this is what he has done this is what he's promised, this is what he's done, this is what he's doing. See, it's not been given to us to read the thoughts and the intents of a person's heart. Well, God hasn't given that to us. And in American law, under no place in any crime that I have ever heard of, does the prosecution have to prove motive? Motive. You don't have to. You can try to like they did in the OJ trial. You can try to do that, but you don't have to because we have known from the beginning you can't prove the thoughts and the intents of a person's heart. But what you can do is you can establish objectively a person's statements and comments so that you understand their intent. So if we look at what Trump's promised, what he's followed through on, including, and this is another piece of good news, all of the conservative judges that are sailing through the Senate. That is enormous news. We can say this is what the man promised. He actually is delivering. Our economy is soaring. 
Where he stands with God, I don't know, but I can tell you this much, he's doing good and godly things. But do I agree with him all the time? Of course not. And I will just point one sort of trivial thing. Last Saturday, the Kentucky Derby. I love watching the Kentucky Derby. It's on my bucket list to go to the Kentucky Derby. I wish I could find somebody to help me figure out how to get to the Kentucky Derby and what to do and not to do. And I'd love to go see it. I'm not into gambling whatsoever. I just like the, the, the event. Donald Trump started tweeting out that the wrong horse won. Maximum security should have won the Kentucky Derby because clearly the best horse didn't win. The fact of the matter is that maximum security got disqualified was absolutely appropriate. I'm somewhat of a horse person. My wife is very much a horse person. Maximum security should have been disqualified and was, and the right and tough decision was made. And guess what? Sometimes the best horse doesn't always win, just like the best team doesn't always win in football. But if they don't always win, uh, uh, and there are somebody says, well, the best team didn't win today, well, maybe because they didn't win might mean they aren't the best team. And maximum security was not necessarily the best horse. So Trump was wrong. And I'm, he called me, I, I'm going publicly on record to say he stuck his nose into something he doesn't know jack squat about. Right? Does that change my opinion of him? Not at all. Next piece of good news. And this is fabulous news. Governor Brian Kemp, a pro-life Republican governor of the state of Georgia, signed the Georgia Heartbeat Bill. And this is, this is just a great piece of legislation. The, the law basically says that when a, de, when a heartbeat is detected from a child in the womb, and at, no, at no point thereafter can an abortion be performed unless it truly is to save the life of the mother. Now, Hollywood went ballistic, blasting Georgia, promising that they would boycott Georgia, which um, I have good friends and relatives in Georgia. They always say, great, this is great news. Hollywood's not coming to Georgia. Keep those yin-yangs out of here. We don't need them going around and sharing, sharing their pollution with everybody else. But Brian Kemp came out and said a couple of things that just, I, I love this. He came out and said, first of all, we value life in Kentucky. We value life in Kentucky. Simple, to the point, stinging rebuke of the left and all the pro boards. Number two, he said, I couldn't care less what Hollywood thinks of Georgia. This is great news. This is the kind, will they lose some Hollywood, blah, blah, filming things? So what? Get rid of them. They're a pack of losers anyway. Keep them out of Georgia. The good Hollywood people will still come there. The bad ones will stay out. I think it's perfect. It would be a great bill to pass it for no other reason to keep Hollywood out of your state. But they're liars. Hollywood is liars. They'll, they'll still go there. They're just bloviating about this whole thing, uh, about trying to intimidate them. This governor will not be intimidated. And this is great. He's the person of the week in my mind. Finally, a somebody with guts to stand up to the media, to the left, to Hollywood, all of which is the same thing, of course. And there's something people need to know. that this, The mainstream media will not tell you this. They say this is an attack on women. It's always an attack on women. Well, of course, that's just a ridiculous, asinine statement because guess what? 50% of the kids killed in the womb are women. But beyond that obvious fact... The majority of the legislators who passed this bill are female. Do you think the media would tell you that? These are females that are attacking other... This is, so what's the, the media going to do? Say, this is a female attack on females. Well, that's what oftentimes abortion is. Anyway, and then, of course, AOC comes out with her idiotic, insane comment about this or that, indicating, number one, she, she's never had a child. Number two, I know as much about gestation as she does, and that's pretty scary. Next piece of good news. Trump administration has issued rules protecting conscience rights of pro-life care workers. 
Now, this is coming from an article by Michael Grabowski of the Christian Post Reporter. He says, quote, The Trump administration's Health and Human Services Department issued a final rule promising protection of conscience rights for health care workers and adoption providers who hold religious objections to things like abortion and homosexuality. The Office for Civil Rights of the Human and Health Services Department, I uh, forgot his name here, oh, uh, Roger Severino, this is why it matters who you've got in office, folks, said, quote, Finally, laws prohibiting government-funded discrimination against conscience and against religious freedom will be enforced like every other civil rights law. This rule ensures that health care entities and professionals won't be bullied out of the healthcare field because they decline to participate in actions that violate their conscience, including the taking of human life. Organizations and persons covered by this final rule will include hospitals, nursing care facilities, doctors, dentists, insurance carriers, and family planning centers. This is huge. This is big news. This is a guy, like I said, we don't know where he stands personally with God, but he continues to do righteous and godly things. If every Christian in the United States doesn't vote for this guy, in fact, first of all, if every Christian in the United States doesn't vote, shame on you. If you don't vote for this guy, you're voting for the, you're voting for the devil. Whoever's on the left is as far left as the devil is left. I will tell you, this is really, really great news. Now, last piece of good news. You say, gosh, I'm filling up almost half a program with good news. That's true it is. But Mr. Trump has the highest poll rating ever. Ever. In the presidency, it's, this, it's reached an all-time high. The United States has 7.5 million job openings. Now, that's to give you an indication of the expansion of the U.S. economy. 7.5 million job openings. So how does Nancy No Brains Pelosi respond to this? I don't know where Nancy is today, but my guess is she's in a line somewhere waiting for a brain donor. This woman is really without any mental merit whatsoever. She's just dumb. I mean, Scripture talks about people that are stupid or the Several places. So, I guess I can too, huh? Pelosi came out and said the other day that Trump has to be beaten by a lot of votes because he will challenge the election. Can you believe that she said that? Trump will have to be beaten by a lot of votes because he'll challenge the election. So, she's already indicated that there is an urgent, compelling, and allegedly moral need for massive Democrat voter fraud to make sure he's beaten by a lot. Because we know that the Democrats participate in voter fraud to a much greater extent than the Republicans. The Republicans aren't the righteous only. In fact, a lot of them aren't. But the facts are facts. Voter fraud by the left is, is enormous. You've got, you've got precincts where there are more votes than there are voters registered, and they go overwhelmingly Democratic. Figure that out. I can do the math, folks. So I'd ask Nancy Pelosi this. If you're concerned that Trump might challenge the election, so you have to beat him a lot, what is your real fear, Nancy? Are you fearing that Trump will pull a Democrat, Al Franken, and have one recount after another recount until he eventually overturns the election results? What's your real fear here, Nancy, that Trump will pull a Democrat, Al Gore, sue his way through the entire U.S. court system to try to overturn an election result? What's your real fear here, Nancy, that Trump will pull a Hillary Clinton and try everything imaginable, legal and illegal, from recounts to lawsuits to trying to overturn an electoral college election? Here's what Pelosi's real fear is. Pelosi's fear is that if Trump loses, he may act like a Democrat. Okay. 
The Colorado shooting, I don't want to spend much time on this, but it's important to note here some things that the media is not telling you. All right. Tragic situation. We've all seen the situation where the Brady, Brady campaign goes in and politicizes yet another funeral. They, get, they can't wait two seconds to use somebody else's dead body, somebody who's not even cold yet, to politicize it for their left-leaning, demonic, socialistic desires and agenda. The pictures show the crying kids. The pictures show it's a terrible situation. But let me, this is what the mainstream media does not want to tell you about the shooting. The adult is an 18-year-old who has been charged, who is known to use legal and illegal drugs. Okay? Just what we were, we were talking about before. The role of drug use in gun crimes. They said that this went beyond just any revenge. The alleged shooter was identified as Devin Erickson, the one that's involved in use of illegal drugs. Here's the next thing the media didn't tell you was that his juvenile companion was a girl trying to transition to a boy, so she's on some hormonal treatments. Another drug, another drug from hell, another demonic intrusion into the civil life of people, the life of people. So she's, she's queering her way over to the male side, but she's a female. Did they tell you that? And to what extent uh, did they tell you this? That the shooter was a Democrat, a registered Democrat, a registered Democrat who praised Obama, a registered Democrat who in a Facebook post uh, expressed opposition to Christians when he said, quote, you know what I hate? I hate all these Christians who hate gays, end quote. First of all, that's a lie. Well, no, I mean, maybe that's true that he said that. That's true that he said that. All Christians don't hate gays. That's not the point. We hate sodomy. We hate predatory behavior on other people. We hate that which God hates. We hate that which God calls an abomination. We hate that which, will, according to multiple passages, will land you in hell. But what I find interesting about all this is I have said for some time, and I am the only one, I don't know, maybe others have said it. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'm just wondering why I have never heard this from anyone else. This whole tranny movement is still comes down to a conviction about being homosexual. Because if you don't deal with it, become a Christian, become seek deliverance, seek conversion therapy, which has worked in a ton of cases, notwithstanding the Democrats' attempt to outlaw it and successful attempts, I might add, in a number of states. Look, in a number of states, you can't try to to help a homosexual become heterosexual. But it's legal to help a heterosexual become a queer. Go figure that out. Talk about hypocrisy. So, what I have said for a long time, everybody involved in the tranny movement is a homosexual. Everyone. Because this is what they're battling. I don't have, this is anecdotal, I understand, I don't have any studies, but it's called common sense. There is a guilt associated, and properly so, for their feelings. I understand that. We have a lot of things we feel guilty about in our feelings. It doesn't mean that we try to make those feelings right. The feelings need to be altered by the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. But the fact is, how do you make those feelings right if you don't turn yourself over to the grace of God? you set about to change your supposed gender, your gender identity. So this woman, this girl transitioning supposedly to a male, is a lesbian. But she feels guilty about being a lesbian, so the only way she can deal with her guilty thoughts about lesbianism is to make herself a guy so that her feelings about other girls are now legitimated, legitimized. Yeah, you heard it from me here again. Uh, I don't want to go any further than that. Okay, hypocrisy. 
you know that I, I very much attempt to stay clear of those things which have been dealt with significantly at the mainstream level of national international news. Unless there's a spiritual component to bring into the analysis that the media would miss in virtually every circumstance. Okay? Which is why I'm not going to get into the Attorney General Barr fiasco and the apparent and obvious hypocrisy of treating him one way while all the people who are bashing Attorney General Barr had had a complete uh, got, gave a get-out-of-jail-free card to Eric Holder when there were moves to uh, charge him with contempt because of his complicity with the Fast and Furious program where Obama was smuggling uh, guns into Mexico to provide to the Mexican cartel to try to prove that American gun manufacturers and gun control laws needed to be implemented at the national level because our guns were finding their way into Mexican cartel hands. We all know that. Holder, Holder went Fifth Amendment, basically, Obama just did what Obama does. So I don't want to go further than that. But the hypocrisy of the media on another matter I find very interesting. We have this push for Trump's tax returns. He won't release them. You have the California Senate has now passed a bill that said that he won't be on the California ballot if he doesn't turn over his tax returns. Now, I'm not here to bash California. I, look, I don't. I, I need three hours every day to do that, to be... To be um, to cover what's wrong with that state. But here's the point. Obama refused to produce his birth certificate. People say, oh, he turned it over. He did after one year or over one year of fighting it. After all, he needed time to have it forged. Which even the head of the Forensic Institute in Tel Aviv for the Nation of Israel's, Israel said, Obama's last birth certificate is such a flagrant Fraud, such a, it's, he said it's ridiculous. I, mean, I don't want to go backwards on that. But Obama refused to provide his birth certificate. Now, suppose that the state said, look, if you don't produce your birth certificate, you don't get to be on the ballot. I fully support that. Fully support that idea because, why? Because there's not a constitutional requirement that you turn over your tax returns which the, the left is just going to waste more time and go into every detail. And, oh my gosh, you gave, this, you gave a charity check to this person. You don't have to turn that over. I've never felt that that was important. Never have by any Democrat or any Republican to turn over their tax returns. It's a private area that does not need to be open to the public. But your tax returns are not a requirement to run for the President of the United States. A birth certificate is. So Obama takes over a year, well over a year, spends $1 million, actually over $1 million, of taxpayer funds for lawyers to fight the release of a birth certificate. Why? Why? Why, don't we, why didn't we have bills that would not have allowed Baracky Baby on the ticket for if he didn't release uh, authenticated copies of his student visa? which would show him as a foreign student applying to get into a U.S. school. How about his college thesis? How about the 18 gazillion other things that B.O. would not release? And going out on a high note, San Francisco is now up to 70 million, 70 million, just to clean up human poop every year. They're up to 118,352 cases of humans pooping on their streets. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter is a listener-supported program. Please know that 100% of your contribution goes to pay for airtime so that as many people as possible are able to hear that the Word of God has answers to every meaningful problem and issue in life. No one gets paid a salary at Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter, but in response to your support, we pledge to bring you the most timely and critical information you need to help make informed decisions in this age of media bias and a growing hostility to all things Christian. Your partnership makes you one of the watchmen on the wall with us, as described in the book of Ezekiel. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, 
P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. I think I'm going to catch man do. That's really, really where I'm going to. If I ever get out of here, that's what I'm going to do. man do. I think it's really where I'm going to. We are back. This is Rob Walter with Red Sky Radio. I have one other story, and then we are going to go to school. I promise you the second half of the program, we would be in school, and we will be. You probably have seen on the news or heard about the video of the five- and six-year-old kids who are, boy, already been indoctrinated into the legitimacy of killing Jews and Christians. So you have this Islamic group where the kids are filmed, and it's it's a it's an awful video. I've watched it. Where they're celebrating Ummah Day. Now the young kids are wearing Palestinian scarves. They're singing and reading poetry about killing for Allah and the mosque in Jerusalem. One girl talks about martyrs sacrificing their lives without hesitation to conquer Jerusalem. They, and others said, quote, We will defend the land of divine guidance with our bodies, and we will sacrifice our souls without hesitation. We will chop off their heads, and we will liberate the sorrowful and exalted Alask Mosque. We will lead the army of Allah, fulfilling His promise, and we will subject them to eternal torture, end quote. This from a six-year or seven-year-old girl. Now, these are not isolated incidents. They happen, you know, we've, we've seen this coming out of the Middle East forever. They hate Jews. They hate Christians. There's one problem here, if you haven't seen this story. This didn't occur in Palestine. It occurred in Philadelphia. That's the disease called Islam that's infecting the United States. All the more reason. If they're talking about killing and chopping off heads, then doggone it, you better be armed. You better be trained and you be ready when somebody yells, Shmala Hugh Schmachbar, you may be ready. You, may need, you need to be ready to take action because that means somebody else is going down as a result of some another whack job Islamic attack. And according to Fox News, they said, these are not isolated incidents even in Philadelphia. They are happening in major Islamic centers all across our country. Training six-year-olds to chop off heads. Guess what? Maybe you need to get the snake before the snake gets you. Well, okay. Now, we're going to school, folks. Here we are. This, I don't know what the name of this school. I've got to come up with something here because periodically, if God gives me some things to pass on from an educational, informative, instructive manner, I want to be obedient and do that. And it's not going to just be... There, there's no Bible lesson here per se. This is a lesson in civics that would apply to everyone in the whole world. So please, if any of you in India and Pakistan and other places are still listening... I hope that you are. Take note, because this applies everywhere. First of all, we are going to talk about the issue of what is a Nazi. I have five points that need to be brought out in instructing people about this term, the way it's used, when it's appropriate, when it isn't, and who is and who isn't a Nazi. I say, oh no, not this. Well, I know we've... We've heard the word so much, it's almost meaningless, but that's actually one of the points. First of all, what does Nazi stand for? Everybody who knows what Nazi stands for, raise your hand. Yep, I see a few hands over there in uh, Indiana. and No, I'm kidding. It stands for the National Socialist, keep that word in mind, 
the National Socialist Workers' Party, specifically the German Workers' Party, but since the left applies it almost exclusively to non-Germans, then it just needs to be the National Socialist Workers' Party. So this is used by the Ocasio-Cortezes and every yin-yang and stands up on some campus calling anybody to the right of middle a Nazi. Actually, it's, they call anybody who's not like them Nazis. So you have to understand that, that first of all, this term used Nazi is by socialists who calling Nazis socialists. Because they don't even know what the word stands for, do they? No, they really don't. Number two, well, not number two, part B under number one, the focus on the Workers' Party. How many of them even know that it's a Workers' Party where the workers are supposed to rise up? Let me ask you, did the workers rise up in Nazi Germany? No, they were suppressed. They were burdened. They were drafted. They were forced into the military. Were the workers liberated in Russia? No. Were the workers liberated in Cuba? No. Workers liberated in Venezuela? No. You see, socialism is, is it Nazism. There's no difference. Everybody gets repressed and suppressed on a nation for which sin has become a reproach. That's the first point. What does it stand for? Number two, to hype their fake disdain, uh, the left overuses this word, and in, and in the course of it, it's just rendered it utterly useless. Just everybody is becoming a Nazi. It's like, uh, who's the... I forgot... Uh, gosh, I forgot the guy's name. He's a great uh, representative of the House of Representatives. The guy with the patch over one eye. I just drew a blank on his name. He's doing an open forum, and some guy gets up and calls him a Nazi, and his response is, hey, look, oh my gosh, can't you be a little more creative than that? In other words... That's the word that's out of your mouth all the time from the left in an attempt to heighten the alleged violation of civility by the right, their alleged uh, authoritarianism, all of which is absolutely misplaced. But the left does this with any word that they try to make really impactful. They use it over and over and over again rendering it utterly useless. They have so redefined the word that it's utterly useless. Nazi doesn't mean anything close to what it originally meant. The left did this with the word harassment under Anita Hill. Now you look at one person with a skewed eye, you're, you're guilty of harassment. Or torture with a gitmo. The left did this with the word torture. Over and over and over. This is torture. Well, guess what? After over and over and over and over again, torture isn't torture anymore. They would, they would call torture someone having to write, I won't bully Christians on the blackboard a uh, hundred times. They would call that torture. They overuse it. But we do this in society generally anyway, uh, that we will overuse words to try to have this big impact for a word. We'll take a really impactful word, then we'll use it eight gazillion times and strip it of its fundamental meaning. A classic case being the use of the word epic. Everything is epic now. Well, if everything's epic, it isn't epic anymore. It's not a once-in-a-lifetime a situation. I mean, for the thousands of times the word epic is used, we have stripped epic of its very meaning. It doesn't mean diddly anymore. Epic just means one more attempt by some marketing person to try to prove how different something is when in reality all they're showing is that their marketing is exactly like everybody else is calling something epic. But it occurs with homophobia. It occurs with hate speech. It's, sadly, it's even occurring with F-bombs in our society. They're so saturated our lexicon by the left-wing blowhards that it's actually losing its intensity upon impact. The F-bombs come out all the time, and they typically, almost, almost always come from the left. But that's what happens when you're working with a 10-word vocabulary from the left. This is point number three, still under Nazism. They really do only have a 10-word vocabulary. 
It has expanded in the last couple of years since Trump was elected from 9 to 10. Those 10 words are Islamophobic, homophobic, hate speech, racist, climate change, social justice, and number 10, Nazi. It's just part of their 10-word vocabulary. They know nothing else. And when we, they, get, they, they say that enough times, they, lose, they realize they're having no impact anymore. They've run out of names. Then to try to show their fake intensity and rage, they go to the F-bombs. And actually, I would say the F-bomb is now the 11th word in the left-wing vocabulary. Next point. The left's overuse and misuse of the term Nazi displays gross ignorance or it is simply by design. Since Nazi is a reference to them only on a level of personality type, you see, that's the only real reference that they can make, is that Trump must be a Nazi because his personality is sort of rough and gruff publicly, and he shares that rough and gruff personality type to Adolf Hitler to a very minor extent. Therefore, having nothing to do with policy, having everything to do with an alleged personality identification, they call him a Nazi. Well, okay, that would sort of be like calling, why don't you call me a Nazi because I like sauerkraut and Adolf Hitler liked sauerkraut. Why don't you call some left-winger a Nazi or some right-wing? Who knows? Because BMW, as a German uh, Bavarian Motor Works, uh, made tanks for Hitler and his predecessor company name or what have you, and you're driving a BMW. Do you see how little common sense... Look, common sense is not common on the left. They have nothing... It has nothing to do with policies. Absolutely zero. And I'm going to prove that. We're still under point number four. There is no person who's more non-Nazi as it relates to policies, and policies are all that matters, than Trump. Trump has reduced taxes. He's reduced regulation. He has encouraged private health care that was the first thing that Hitler did was nationalize the health care. Look, government wants to be in control. Health, Obamacare isn't about Obamacare. It's about government control. And if you can control people's health care options, you control the people. Obama got that from Adolf Hitler. You reduce taxes. That, how how Nazi-ish Nazi is that? How Nazi-ish is it to reduce regulations? It could be more non-Nazi than to encourage private health care. It couldn't be more non-Nazi than to encourage people to exercise their Second Amendment rights, like Donald Trump does all the time. There is no more un-Nazi president in the last hundred years than Donald Trump, but he's the only one that gets called a Nazi. Now let's just jump over. Now, is he a nationalist? Yes, but he's not an internationalist. He's not out there trying to impose uh, and export our values on other countries. By no means. That's why he's reducing federal aid to foreign countries by 23%. That's why he wants to pull soldiers back from various places in the world where we have no... That's not Hitler to pull back troops to reduce government spending. Now, let's take the snake oil salesman of the year, Barack Obama, of the century. He's the most Nazi, as we evaluate by policies. He wanted increases in taxes, greatly increased um, government regulations. He burdened people with regulations. He was imposing his immorality at all levels, from homosexual marriage, to forcing schools to have bathrooms for both genders. He had a gazillion czars 
overseeing a bloated bureaucracy to rule every single aspect of our life. Who sounds like the Nazi here? Let's grow government as fast as we can and control all the areas of life. And oh, by the way, let's have gun control. Let's do whatever we can to have common sense gun control. Well, I'll tell you, the only thing common with Barack Obama's gun control is what he held in common with Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Fidel Castro, Pol Pot, Kim Jong-un. You can go down the list of socialists who use gun control as people control. There is your real Nazi. This is the true Nazi. Obama, who was seeking to impose that not only on this country, but in true Nazism, went international with the imposition of his values and left-wing mentality. He went to England to try to stop Brexit. He's over there dinking around in their affairs. He, he funds, sends funds into a Kenyan presidential election to support the pro-abortion candidate because he wants abortion in Kenya. He sends the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ squad over to Russia during the Olympics, delegating them to uh, bring queerdom uh, and try to mainstream it as quickly and as fast, quickly and as extensively in Russia as he possibly can, for which he got slammed by Valerie Putin. He said, look, don't try to homosexualize our nation. Get your sorry butt out of here if you're going to do that. So, who's the real Nazi? Trump couldn't be more un-Nazi. Who's the Nazi of the century? Barack Obama. Point number five. I hope you're enjoying school. Because now I actually get down to something I learned 40 years ago. And I, I hate to say this, but as a political science major at the University of Michigan in the 70s, this is the only thing I remember from any of my courses. Now, much because I was largely taught by a, uh, a, a pack of white left-wing ideologues, with the exception of one moderately conservative professor, who I might add was the, uh, my only black professor, which is why I say, yes, I'm partly prejudiced against Barack Obama. I hate that white one half of him, because he reminds me of every white, every professor I had at the University of Michigan who was the left of Fidel Castro, all of whom were white, and the only conservative professor I had was black. But this is what I remember from one of them, and it has stuck with me. I did learn something from him, and I remember it very well. He drew a big circle. So if you got a piece of paper and a pencil, get it out and draw a big circle, because you're going to need to write at a couple of points here. At the very top of the circle is uh, the middle. And draw an arrow to the right. Going to the right means increasingly conservative, in theory. Going to the left is increasingly socialistic. Now, we have said to the far left is communism, to the far right is fascism. But follow the arrows down to the bottom of the circle. Continue the arrow to the left towards socialism. Continue the alleged arrow to the right. He wasn't correct on this, but I'm going to make the point. It'll still make the point. They meet at the bottom of the circle, and they're indistinguishable. Folks, there is no difference between socialism and fascism. It is a nuanced distinction. At its core, the left, which is socialistic and is pushing it in colleges everywhere, are no different than the Nazis. Government control of education, government control of public resources, nationalizing industries, government control of all education, government control of health care. Those are your socialists. Guess what your fascists were? 
Well, they, in theory, allowed a little bit of private enterprise. But the key resources were nationalized. The education system was nationalized. The health care system was nationalized. There's no difference. There's absolutely zero difference between socialism and fascism from a practical standpoint. They are a dictatorial worlds. Identical in their hatred of Jesus Christ, God, all things biblical, the Word of God, conservatives, they're definitely opposed to independence. Everything about them is control. It was with Hitler. It was with Idi Amin. It, it is with Cesar Chavez. I'm sorry, Hugo Chavez. I misspoke. In Venezuela, Maduro, the, the current dictator, they're all the same. There's no difference. Glenn Beck pointed out something the other day. I watched Glenn. He pointed out that the nirvana of communism being heaven on earth for the workers, in theory, of course has never arrived, and we know that. There's never been this worker paradise ever, although that's what supposedly communism is. It's supposed to be heaven on earth for the workers. But they never get there because they never get past socialism where the government is in control and we never get to the worker nirvana because that would mean you'd have to turn over power to the workers. And socialists don't turn over power any more than Hillary Clinton wanted to turn over the election or Cory Booker or Kamala Harris wants to turn over anything to the lives of people to let them make their own decisions. So you stop at socialism, you get the same thing as fascism. Socialism, which is supposedly supposed to lead to communism, which is supposed to be heaven on earth for the workers, is not that. It is hell on earth for everyone, except the elite, the dictators. So as we march towards this democratic Nazism, and that's my new term, it's not socialist democrat, Ocasio-Cortez, it's democratic Nazism. Which, for the last 20 years, I have said that in the course of confiscation of guns, which is, is a key element required for the takeover of the United States, whether you're pushing for the takeover by the left, whether you're pushing for a takeover by Muslims, whether you're pushing for a takeover by La Raza, it all requires chaos, but ultimately taking away everybody's Second Amendment rights. I have said for 20 years this is what is going to cause a secession and along the way a civil war. But picking up on the second aspect of Glenn Beck's point, which was a good one, which I have considered, but I just never put it the voice to the mic on this point. He said it's not going to be like any old civil war. It won't be north against south. It won't even be necessarily east against west. And these are my words now. Though there will be geographic differences. It's going to be more like the battle for Fallujah. Household against household. Father against son-in-law. Mother against daughter-in-law. Brother against sister. But not because of a geographic divide. But because that's exactly what Scripture says is going to happen as we approach the end times. The civil unrest will pit even families against each other. Families were only against each other in, the, in our civil war when they were in the border states of Kentucky and Virginia. That's where they split. The far north, the far south, there was no split in the families. But here the left wants a chaotic civil unrest. This is why you need to have your guns. There be riots. It's exactly what the left wants to create so much instability and chaos that we will be ready. Not I, but
KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR. Sour from townhall.com, I'm Ron Durockstra. Alabama Governor Kay Ivey has signed the nation's strictest abortion ban, which makes performing an abortion in that state a felony in nearly all cases. State senators passed the bill last night, sent the package to Ivey's desk. The legislation outlaws nearly all abortions and punishes providers with life in prison should the Supreme Court overturn Roe v. Wade. And as correspondent Mark Sherman tells us, abortion could be on the docket of the Supreme Court and its two new conservative justices. There are several cases already on the court's uh, calendar for consideration. Uh, the justices uh, could actually hear an abortion case next term, which means that they will be issuing a decision uh, on an abortion case in the midst of the 2020 presidential campaign. Critics have promised a swift lawsuit. President Trump is about to unveil his administration's plan for updating the U.S. immigration system. In a Thursday White House speech, the president will announce details of an immigration plan that has been overseen by his son-in-law and senior advisor. Jared Kushner previewed the plan to senators. Early